Storytelling often starts by capturing, and you know, we we have a couple frameworks we use that fit the different businesses we might work with. It, it, capturing everything you already do, what's going on in house, you know, what's great about what you're doing, um, you know, it's it it's just an inventory. I'm Shannon Lucas, and I'm Tracy Lovejoy, and we're the co-CEOs of Catalyst Constellations, which is dedicated to catalyzing innate change makers to accelerate positive change. This is our podcast, Move Fast, Fast, Break Shit, Burn Out, where we highlight catalysts that are creating amazing change in the world. And I'm super excited today that we have Susan Morgan Bailey with us. She is a high energy leader with more than 25 years of experience in health benefits and education settings. In her current role as Senior Vice President of Culture and Wellbeing Practice Leader at Marsh McLennan, she calls upon her extensive experience to help organizations build sustainable business through supportive cultures that empower individuals to thrive. And she has been a a thought leader and sort of visionary in this, been doing it for a long time before anyone was really talking about it. Thanks for being here with us today, Susan. Thank you. It's so fun to be here with you. I'm excited to have this conversation today. Awesome. Us too. Um, As we always do, we'd love to start off by hearing about how you relate to the concept of catalyst. Well, so, um, you know, a little bit of background to set the stage. So I work for Marsh McLennan Agency. We are primarily in the business of insurance brokerage. So we're the middleman for lack of a better description. Organizations need insurance for their employees, health, dental, vision, and so on. And then there's a bunch of providers of that insurance. We serve to broker that insurance and help them have that. However, we take it a step further in the sense that we see it as helping those we serve design benefit packages that attract and retain talent and um, you know, provide a, a safety net and resources and foundation for working for the organization. So that's the basics. Then if you take it up a little bit further, you know, over the last few years, one of the things that I've learned is um, through experiences is, is it's not the same in every organization. I, for years, I worked for large organizations. In the work I do now, I work with smaller organizations. And when I say smaller, for those who are understanding what's big and what's small, or asking that question, you know, smaller is, is, is under 1,000 employees or under 500 employees. And when you think about it, the majority of individuals in the United States work for organizations that are smaller. And sometimes it feels like the big business is, is running the show and everybody works for a big business, but that's not true. And so what I've learned in the last few years with those smaller businesses is they have challenges. They are running on tight margins with tight staff um, and they want to do good. Sometimes that, that's hard. And so that's where I come in. Um, I lead the team that helps our organiz- our clients and MMA um, design strategies that help employees thrive. So we're going to take it beyond benefits and we're going to think about the culture. And truthfully, sometimes I'm doing that in a very catalytic way. They may not see um, that what they're doing um, or what they may not see that what they're doing or offering to employees is beneficial. They may not see where their gaps are. So I might have to help them see them. 
Um, you know, sometimes I just say I'm changing hearts and minds because I'm trying to help organizations understand there's so much potential that you haven't tapped into that could both help your employees thrive and then subsequently help your business thrive. So that's my, my two minute commercial. And it's amazing. And um, I, I want to go back to uh, something that you had said earlier, because when when we look at your your LinkedIn profile, you have catalysts like sort of bold and proud. Um, but uh, we know that you had that before you read the book or found us. So like, how did you come to the term catalyst and how, you know, how do you relate to that maybe then and now? Well, so I was originally a science teacher. So the science theme weaves throughout everything that I do. Um, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, I really, I went back at, at, in preparation for the interview and I was like, wait, did I, did I have that on my, my LinkedIn profile before the book? And I did. Um, but I think it came from this space where I was, I was trying to understand for myself, you know, who am I? What am I about? What lights me up? What do I love to do? And I was just playing around with words, you know, I'm a, I'm a culture talk um, partner. So I'm always thinking about like, who am I and what do I stand for? How do I show up in the word world? And I had done that word play and the word that stood out when I looked at, you know, the idea of planting a seed and growing it, of getting something started, of, you know, evolving thing, it just kept coming back to catalyst. I'll be honest, I, I am, I'm good with doing the work. I am even better with getting the work started, building that foundation and then getting <laughs> things off and running and then watching as everybody runs off with it. <laughs> Literally the definition of catalyst as we think about it, totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's me. <laughs> yeah, and and just one other thing that you had mentioned earlier, which uh, was so foundational for me, was you just mentioned being lonely, you know, before connecting with the other catalysts and how important, I, this is my words, not yours, how important now having the word to be able to identify the other people and connect with that way of being like, I'm a fire starter, I'm a lightning bolt, like, that's what I do. Yeah. I want to take it back though. Cause you, it's such a great thread. Cause you just talked about your own narrative and story building about like the words and how you thought about crafting and understanding who you were and the benefit, you know, sort of the, the superpowers that you brought to the world. Um, and I'd love to understand a little bit about how you're helping the companies that you work with use that power of storytelling today. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. You know, it's it's interesting right now. We're in the great whatever you want to call it. Um, it's got a lot of names lately, though. I've noticed the trending is the the employees that left are boomeranging and going back, and so it's just a great mess, is what it is. Um, <laughs> I'm totally stealing the great mess. That's where we're at right now. It describes all the things too. It does. It does. We're in a great mess. Um, you know, and, and it's it's interesting. I um, thinking about the challenges and the organizations coming to us saying, "Oh my gosh, what can we do?" You know, we don't want to lose talent. What are we going to do? You know, part of me wants to be like, "We should have been having this conversation like three years ago." Um, but um, <laughs> given that we're here now, let's talk about what we can do. And one of the first things I do is look at an organization from the outside in. I mean, we're you know, times have changed. In case. Anybody listening didn't know that. Um, things have evolved. And, um, you know, the, we're, we're up against when we as employers um, or organizations are looking to attract talent. 
are looking at reeling folks in and keeping them. We are up against the same exact approaches that every brand that successfully sells us stuff that we do not need but continue to buy. Um, all of those organizations, and sometimes it's things we need, but those organizations that are marketing to us every day, we are up against the same tricks and techniques that they use. And many people do not know what one of the number one things they do is storytell. And they might do it in a, in a split second. They might do it in some of those longer, long run Super Bowl commercials. That storytelling, it hits us in the heart. It's a subconscious impact. It causes us to want to be a part of it, consider buying it and be intrigued. And I am blown away by how many organizations I work with aren't capitalizing on this tool of storytelling. And so that's the first thing I do. When somebody says, we're having a hard time attracting and retaining talent, I look from the outside in. I look at their website. I look at their career, LinkedIn. I look everywhere I can and I look for story. And all too often, it's, it's not there. And uh, so that's what I spend a lot of time doing to the point where I actually did my own. I went through the experience myself and I said, why do I show up every day? You know, I, I ran this experiment on myself because it's been a long couple of years for me too. Um, and, uh, you know, I was like, what, what, what is it that causes me to show up every day? And I ended up, you know, pulling together a pretty neat story and posted it on my LinkedIn profile. I'm proud to say that in the end, the story I tell myself is that I am, I am the Ted Lasso of culture consulting. Um, I can I coach you and help you see things. I'm not going to do the work. And um, I might not even fully know how to play the game, if you know Ted Lasso. Um, but I am. <laughs> but that is me. And um, I love helping organizations see the possibilities they may not have seen. I imagine with companies of the size that you're talking about, and I want this may tie into a question about like, what are some of your key challenges as you're doing this or, or, or key learnings to share um, that, you know, no matter actually how big the budget and how big the company, if you go in and be like, we need to do more storytelling, they're like, thanks for the fluffy recommendation. Ain't nobody got time for that. So like, what, you know, how do you help organizations understand even that that's something that they need to be investing in? That is a great, that's a great um, question. Um, you know, my middle iteration of my career, I should say, was, um, was working in, with focus on well-being exclusively. Organizations saying, we wanna help our people be well. In the beginning, it was just physically well. Um, then we've evolved and it was financially and socially and community and, and so on. Um, and, one thing happened when we started that process, we would work with organizations and we would inventory. We would literally say, what are you doing in all of these areas of well-being? And it was amazing how many times we would go through that exercise of just inventorying everything the organization does in the different areas of well-being. And then at the end of the meeting, we would think, okay, now we're going to go, in my mind, we're thinking, okay, now we're going to go to what's next. You know, we're going to fill holes and we're going to do more and we're really gonna take this to the next level. And all too often, which is good, we gotta start somewhere. Organizations would say, you know where we need to start? We need to actually tell our people we do all of this for them. You know, it was like, 
okay, great. We'll see you next year, you know? And so storytelling often starts by capturing, and, you know, we, we have a couple of frameworks we use that fit the different businesses we might work with. It, it, capturing everything you already do, what's going on in house, you know, what's great about what you're doing. Um, you know, it's, it, it's just an inventory. And so storytelling can seem um, intimidating for some. Um, I have completely borrowed Pixar's storytelling framework because it works and it's easy. Um, sometimes we use that, but it, it just begins by looking, um, you know, and sometimes organizations haven't had time to look. Two things come up for me. One, I can feel the energy of an organization as they start to tap into, yeah, look at all of the great things that we're doing, which my guess is helps overcome some of the resistance because there's a sense of pride that's like, yeah, I want to tell the story of the great things that we're doing, which is super smart, Susan. And two, in 30 seconds or less, can you tell us what the Pixar storytelling framework is? Because I don't know what that so, is. So um, the Pixar storytelling framework is um, really, and I'm not going to remember it exactly. We can put it like in the show notes yeah, totally. after, but it's, um, it starts with basically one day, fill in the blank. Then fill in the blank. As a result, fill in the blank. And it's literally, it's something that simple, but the, it is the framework that there's, there's probably like two other lines in there, but it's building that one day, Joe decided that there was another way things could be done on the manufacturing line. And so he went to his leader and said, hey, I have an idea. Would you be willing to try it? And his leader was like, that's why not? We're an innovative organization. We're open to experimentation. Let's give it a try. And as a result, this big change happened and the organization saved this. And Joe was recognized employee of the month. And we have one more innovation story to tell. And cool. so I just made that up on the fly, but you can see Maybe. that with that framework, organizations can oh my gosh, that happens all the time. And then in there, I built in a couple of their values. You know, they may be innovation. They want the world to know they're innovative. So it's, it's you know, plug in the value here, search for example. It's kind of cool because then it just enables storytelling and, you know, it's everywhere. So grab yeah. your values, build the story around it. Pixar storytelling framework is is out there and, and it works. You don't even, you know, need... Um, um, you know, a car or um, a cowboy to to do the storytelling. Like, <laughs> or a fish. Woody, Woody or a <laughs> <Yeah>. fish, right. <laughs> uh, I love how unscary you make that, how accessible and easy. Um, so sort of final question is, as we wrap up this part, you know, what are some of the key learnings or, you know, to the challenges that you've encountered as you've been trying to do this work? What would you share with other catalysts who are especially working in this kind of an area at the size company? You know, I I we I often include Elizabeth Kubler Ross's change curve in my talks and presentations, and when I'm working with organizations to help them understand what lies ahead. You know, not everybody is a big fan of change the way that catalysts are, um, and so I often will use that as a way to help organizations understand. You know, this is where where you've been, where you're at. It depends on what's going on in the world or in that organization when I engage with them. But, you know, that all goes together just with the reminder that change is hard and, you know, change happen can happen more readily and easily and frankly, comfortably if we, if we think about it intentionally 
versus, you know, yeah, sometimes we just have to rip the mandate off, but um, you know, it takes time. And then as much as I want there to be an easy button for the work that I do or organizations do, and wouldn't it be amazing if we just all started Pixar storytelling, it's, it's, it's a beginning and it's a piece of a complex puzzle. And, but, you know, some is better than none, you know, the, the, the go back to my well-being roots, you know, five minutes of walking is better than no minutes of walking, you know, it's some is better than none. And so start where you can and work your way there. Um, and I spend a lot of time helping organizations not get frustrated because they want, you know, change overnight. And that's just not how it works. Thank you for that. I have nothing to add. That was amazing. Thank you for sharing that part of your story. Tracy, over to you for rapid fire. All right, Susan. So if we were going to zoom you back to that, I've just finished my degree in health, right? Your 20-year-old self. What pieces of actionable advice would you have for our catalysts out there or for your 20-year-old 20, 20 self in two minutes or less? You know, I have learned over the last 20 years that there is a trait that many of those individuals like me and since reading the book that catalysts apparently all also have is that we um, we are change makers. And when you're a change maker, you want to like change everything and help everyone. And right. you have ideas to improve. I mean, I, I literally can see opportunities to improve everywhere I look, everywhere. When I'm eating out in my home, it's exhausting sometimes. And so my advice is, Please know that no matter how hard you try, I wish I would have understood this then, no matter how hard I try, I am not going to get it all done in a lifetime. And, and if I try to get it all done in a lifetime, I am going to burn out. Um, and so, it, you know, and it, I'm not going to be as effective as I could be if I was um, more thoughtful in self-care, um, taking time out for myself, um, doing nothing more often, which for a doer or, you know, catalyst change maker like me, it's like, well, every minute counts. Um, yeah. And so I wish I would have known 20 years ago that, yep, every minute counts and minutes of doing nothing are as important, if not more important than the other minutes. Yes, nothing. It's, it's even something we don't talk a lot about in the book. We talk about rejuvenation, like action, to, to rejuvenate, but I think across the pandemic, that notion of like, sometimes we, we just need to be allowed to lay like broccoli, right? It's so important. So thank you. Thank you for that gift of bringing that forward. All right, what advice do you have for executives in finding and in leveraging their catalysts? You know, I was, I thought about this one in advance. I think, um, I think it's important like to be for just to understand that a catalyst is a thing. I, I think the number of times I've seen organizations with catalysts that um, in place that are, they come in to do, you know, and you know this, cause you talked about in the book, they come in to do the, the job to disrupt, to evolve, to innovate a department. And then it, you know, like, and then they get stale or there's no more innovation needed right now. And it, it causes like, <laughs> Uh, you know, an employee relations issue. And so it's like, be aware that the run rate on a catalyst has a time in a space. And so if you can use that, then maybe that might mean you put them somewhere else or you utilize their skills differently than you originally planned. And 
or maybe you just, you know, contract catalyst, you know, for a period of time. I don't know what the solution is, but awareness, you know, I'm all about sort of the steps of behavior change, recognizing that, that they exist and that they likely are not going to, I shouldn't say maybe, there's a chance they may not be successful in the same role forever. You know, whatever forever looks like is important because then you can put that to work for you. That's true. You're six years and running, aren't you? I am six years and running, but I'm also on my third job title, fourth um, iteration of what the department does. And so that's the only reason I'm six years and running is because we've changed what I'm doing, you know, four times in six years. So you're right. Good point. It's a telltale sign of mature catalysts when they own, I am good for three to four years max in a role. So as you say that for executives, you know, it's just a shout out back to advice for catalysts, like maybe it's true for you and it might work to kind of embrace the notion that you love to come in and not necessarily stay forever. Cause I find that the more junior catalysts can beat themselves up for that. Uh, come in, we do the work and we're like, and I'm ready. <laughs> All right, for you, Susan, what's the worst part about being a catalyst? Well, I hit on one of them earlier. Some the, the it, it it's a little. I don't know what the word is, but the seeing possibility everywhere you look can be overwhelming. Yeah. It can be frustrating. It you know it, it can be frankly scary and and then exciting. I mean, it's it's a lot. You know. Um, to see that potential everywhere. Um, and then I will say, and I, I love how you did it before we started recording today, but the because I so naturally can see the big picture as a, as a catalyst who's still sort of getting comfortable in her, I am a catalyst skin because I read the book and now I understand it better. Um, this connecting the dots and being aware of that is something I'm still working on getting better at. Because I do sometimes I'd be like, I see it. Why didn't, why doesn't everybody just, you know, like, could you just read my mind? That'd be amazing. The whole um, conversation you and Shad, Shan had on storytelling, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's the catalyst tool as well, right? Not just organizations, but how we enlist others and tell them the power of what we're doing. So I was like, yes, Susan, gifts all around. <laughs> so what's the best part about being a catalyst? I, um, I've, I've long had a thing for magical powers, uh, you know, all maybe I feel like my first magical power character was Mary Poppins just, you know, to date myself, but, um, but you know, all the superheroes, all the characters, you know, I've got this, you know, streak here, which yay, she's got her Wonder Woman mug. My streak here is natural. So, you know, I've got a little rogue look going on here for those who are not watching gratefully when I touch people I don't take all their whatever happens when rogue touches people but I'm a superhero fan and I really like the part about how I you know being a catalyst is kind of like having superpowers Uh, and you know it's like I can I do have positive impact and People appreciate me for that. And, you know, I'm a light shiner and a possibility seer. And, and that is, it's a, not something everybody can do as easily as I can do. And so I'm grateful for that, those skills. Yeah. In our book, you probably remember our, uh, uh, cartoon, our visuals Science, yeah. show the, the catalyst as wearing a cape. 
Ah, so yes, that's dedicated to you, Susan there. Bailey. <laughs> Yay! Any call to action for our listeners that you would like to share? I appreciate that. I would, um, I would love for people who are curious about the work I do and how I do it um, to listen to my podcast, um, which is called the Growth Collective, because you know, we grow others and we'll all grow together. Um, and because through that, there is a lot of storytelling, some really, really fun guests, amazing stories of organizations that have evolved, um, done great storytelling about the good things they do to take care of their people, some practitioner conversations, um, a little bit of everything. So love if they would yeah. give my podcast to listen to. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's, it's touching to hear some of the stories around. I think that the idea of great culture can be very intimidating. And so to hear these executives talk about like what, what it takes as an individual to move toward that is really powerful. So thank you for, for putting that in the world. Um, also, you mentioned your connection, your, you know, kind of sense of Ted Lasso on her LinkedIn, a great <laughs> article that talks about how she sees herself of Ted Lasso and she breaks it out and tells a really powerful story in the article. So I would encourage folks to check that out as well. Thank you. Absolutely. We are so excited to continue uh, to watch you catalyze amazing change to help organizations have cultures that people want to come to and really continue to bring this focus of well-being to the forefront, right? For most people, it was like the pandemic, like, oh, well-being is a thing in organizations. <laughs> yeah, you have been a driving force behind this for so long, and we're so grateful. Me too. I, I, I will say it's funny we didn't talk about that, but that was one of the silver linings. Everybody's talking about well-being now. So, right, right, <laughs> right, right. It's yeah, it's always that weird dance of like, okay, you finally got there. So I'm glad that, I'm glad that you're bringing it with positive, positive love. It only took a yes. global pandemic and all the other things, but you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we've still got a lot of work to do, but you know, awareness is the, is the first step. That's right. The platform's there. So thank you so much for being with us today, Susan. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Good. And thank you to our audience for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how to accelerate positive change, go to our website, www.catalystconstellations.com. And be sure to check out our book, Move Fast, Break Shit, Burn Out. As you heard, it might make you feel a little bit less lonely. If you have other catalysts in your life, hit the share button and send a link their way. Thanks again. 